Yeah, so if you guys have comments about the trailer, let's put up front because he's going to add that in post up front, and then we'll start with the yeah. laughing at it. <laughs> we just watched <laughs> it. Too fun. We'll recreate that conversation. Stardate 41153.7. 78 years have passed since the days when the original crew of the USS Enterprise explored the unknown wonders of the universe. Now, a spectacular new galaxy starship, eight times larger and light years ahead in technology, has been designed. Its mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and civilizations, to boldly go where none have gone before. The all-new adventures of Star Trek, the next generation, with an all-new crew specifically selected to serve on board the most technologically advanced starship ever built. Their primary function, to gain further understanding of the universe and their place in it. In command is Jean-Luc Picard, Starfleet captain and one of the Federation's most distinguished leaders. Stand by. Ready for departure, sir. Engage. We have a long voyage ahead of us. Commander William Riker. He's executive in charge of away missions and second in command. I have no problem with following any rules you lay down, short of compromising your safety. One further thing. Anything, sir. I'm not a family man, Riker. And yet, Starfleet has given me a ship with children aboard. But since a captain needs an image of geniality, you're to see that's what I project. Aye, sir. Welcome to the Enterprise, Commander Riker. Joining them on the crew is Lieutenant Commander Data, an android with amazing memory and strength. Counselor Deanna Troy, a half-human, half-betazoid with incredible psychic powers. I'm sensing a powerful mind. Lieutenant Jordi LaForge, blinded since birth, wears a unique visual device to see beyond ordinary humans. How are you examining them, Jordi? In every way, microscopically, thermally, electromagnetically. Tasha Yar, security chief and refugee from a renegade planet, fighting for justice. The former enemy of the Federation, Klingon Lieutenant Worf, now serves aboard the Enterprise. Chief Medical Officer Beverly Crusher. It was Picard who ordered her husband on his ill-fated mission. She is joined by her brilliant son, Wesley. Now, the classic legend that changed the face of television forever lives on in Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> we just watched that. <laughs> we'll recreate that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, why weren't we recording that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, welcome everyone to uh, the Star Trek Trek Trek, the uh, our new new uh, series exploring all the wonderful episodes in Star Trek. And we're continuing with our series of pilots going from the cage, which we did last time, to Encounter at Farpoint, which you saw the uh, wonderfully edited, hilarious trailer at the start of the guys what do you think of the tra like this is like this is your first foray into star trek the next generation you see that trailer so it starts out with the guy reading the start at 4 and i'm reminded of that bit in uh king of queens where he's like how about a little phone number rhythm a little bump bump bum bump bum bump bum <laughs> it's like four one one five three point he's like no four eleven fifty three seventeen nineteen. I I'll never forget that phone people. number as long as I live. <laughs> Sorry. 
I was just saying, like, you have to think back in the 80s, right? They're, they're showing this trailer to uh, local television stations around the country because this was a syndicated show. It wasn't a network show. So they're just trying to sell this to, to local regional television stations. And they're up against reruns of Three's Company and MASH and, you know, what's happening now. So this, this <laughs> trailer would really pop, I think, for a, a regional buyer. And uh, I'm just glad they didn't refer to any of the women as the beautiful exotic. <laughs> Yeah, they, they were getting close yeah. with Troy. They were so close. <laughs> the beautiful exotic Commander Worf. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's how what I would refer to him. But, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's what I love the most about that entire thing is the Worf singular is the enemy of the, the Federation. Or the Federation. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very different vision for Worf. I want to see that version. Now with so, detachable foreheads. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've just come off watching uh, watching the episode, and if you're a subscriber on Twitch, you can see the episode in our Discord. Discord, Discord. Sorry, got to do the plug. Have to every time. If you're if you're not already a member of that, go join. We're a lot of fun. But yes, we've just finished watching Encounter and Farpoint, and uh, so would you like some fun facts to start us off? So originally, you know, you know, I mean, everyone knows the story. Originally, Phase Two was supposed to happen after uh, Star Trek when it got picked back up for reruns, and they thought, oh hello, this is this is this is popular let's do phase two but it, it got turned down for the films and it wasn't until 1986 that roddenberry turned around and says nah i don't want to do this because and i think it was nbc or paramount went up to him and said like yeah let's do let's let's do star trek again he went nah and then they came up with a few early concepts which kind of went he kind of did the uh toriyama with dragon ball who kind of went after dragon ball evolution he kind of looked at it and went oh this is so bad i need to get involved like this is these concepts you produced no 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 okay i am okay we'll go we'll go and make star trek okay bonus question uh bonus points here for anyone what century was this originally going to be planned and what was the name what was the registration of the enterprise at that time oh, of course we all have that memorized yes <laughs> yes yeah but you go first auto since you you're speaking for us all well, having experienced with this on my match luggage, I will guess Enterprise 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Only an idiot would have that as his passcode. <laughs> <laughs> originally, this was planned to be set in the 25th century, and it's going to the Enterprise 1701G. But they can they considered with the technology they had ah, the too OG. far. G for gangster, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, they yeah, fire their phases a... sideways. <laughs> Uh, a few other little fun Was it facts. too much of a Buck Rogers thing? Is that why they were trying to 25th it? century? Oh, yeah, yeah, it does yeah, have that yeah. kind of ring to it, doesn't Jean it? Picard in the 25th yeah. century. <laughs> no, uh, in the year 2525, if, if Picard <laughs> is still alive. <laughs> so I've, I've got some other ones. So, I've got some alternate names. Well, Idol, I was going to say, go on, go on. there's important... Uh, 1986 is an important year for Trek. That's the year the Voyage Home came out and did Game Buses at the cinema, no? Absolutely. Yes, it was. And that's where. So that'd be part of the reason why this got springboarded. Absolutely. I mean, the films have been doing actually really good for numbers. Um, Star Trek was the cultural phenomenon at the time. And uh, yeah, yeah. They, I think in 1986, they turned around and said, we're going to do a series. Later that year, they announced it and then very quickly filmed it. Hmm. I think it was from early 1987. All the yeah. hallmarks of care. 
uh, yeah, there are some aspects of this that were maybe suffered from a little bit of Roddenberry being Roddenberry, because uh, originally the, the the plot was written by DC Fontana, fa very famous Trek writer DC Fontana, been writing for them uh, for Trek for years. Um, wrote out no one no one could tell her how long the script should be because Roddenberry wanted to do an hour. <laughs> The network wanted to do two hours. They settled on 90 minutes and then they went back up to two hours. So she just went, here's a script. That's what I've written. Pay me, please. And Roddenberry had to write the rest <laughs> when it turned out it was going to be two hours. So what really happened is she wrote 90 minutes of script. He uh, marked out about 30 minutes of saucer separation. And then he got half the writer's <laughs> yep. credit on that episode it, in, yeah. for the that rest the of stuff. his life. So. <laughs> Somewhere in the world, Alexander Courage is nodding wistfully. Um, <laughs> man. Yeah, this has all the hallmarks of this is written by two different writers and neither of them are quite sure what this episode is quite meant to be about. Okay. So it's about let, everything. A few, few other little pre-production stuff before we go into for the episode because we're starting a whole new series here. There's, there's a few things. Original names yeah. for crew. He was originally going to be Julian Picard. Uh, Riker was going to be uh, well. <laughs> Riker was going to be Riker with a Y, but he wasn't going to be placed. Um, he wasn't going to be assigned there first. There was going to be a previous first officer called Kyle Summers, who would then transfer over to the USS Star Seeker. Um, Yar was originally called Masha Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, she was giving me a Vasquez type. I remember that. Yeah, Hold yeah. on, I have jokes for all of these names. Don't Sorry. stop going so okay, fast. Go, go for Julian Picard. Go on. What's, what's your problem with that? No, 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 oh, okay. no. The moment has passed. Well, no. Here, here's your time to shine, yeah, well, Otto, because you know this one. You know this one. What, <laughs> what was Wesley's original name? Uh, yeah, Crusher's daughter, Leslie Crusher. Yeah. So uh, they nailed that one at least. They stuck with that one, but the rest of them got substantially changed. Absolutely. They should have left his name Leslie. Yeah. yeah, would have worked either way. Yeah, yeah, but then it British. Like been... Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, then it wouldn't have been an exact match for Roddenberry's middle name. Mm. So, Shut up, Leslie. In... <laughs> it still would have worked. It's still, yeah, still got some cadence. Yeah. So the original, the original uh, script by uh, DC Fontana uh, read, reads as such: An alien vessel appears near the planet and sent a message that all personnel had to beam to the planet or all would die. The captain of the Star Seeker was preparing to have his ship fire photon torpedoes, but before he could do, the Star Seeker was destroyed. At Picard's orders, the Enterprise D beamed to the surface and made contact with their enemy, the Anoi, an ape-like species with high technology. The Anois enslaved both the crew and inhabitants of Farpoint and forced them to mine the mineral Balmine, or Balmine. An away team including Data, Riker, with a Y, Troy, uh, and Hernandez got aboard the Anoi ship. Yeah, and... With the help of Leslie Crusher's knowledge about the vessel's n layout, Troy then learned there was no engineering room aboard the ship. The ship was actually a life form. This life form had been enslaved by an Anoi and needed Balmain to survive. So that was the Wait, original treatment. It, it took a 15-year-old child prodigy to realize, hey, this ship doesn't have an engine room. Something's sus. Pretty much, yeah. What the fuck? Um, Instead, that's most of the plots of season one, though, so... Yeah. There's, there's a lot okay. of crossover there. It does combine like five different episode plots in that one. <laughs> yeah. Treatment. So here's the thing, right? Is that we give Roddenberry a lot of short shift for how TNG season one turned out. And I, to a degree, I think he is mostly responsible. But here's the thing Dorothy Fontana, God bless her, um, had missed. I think she'd lost a step since the early 60s since she had been writing for TOS because that is just a TOS episode with like your know, reheated mashed potatoes on the side. That is. 
Well, not once what you, you needed for your bold step future in the future. Once you reach the heights of way to Eden, it's hard to come down <laughs> gracefully. Did you write that? Was that from a that, that pedestal? Yeah, it oh was. Oh my god! Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was a little surprised that she'd only had, I think, seventeen episode writing credits. I kind of thought it would be more, but uh, well, I mean, yeah, seventeen is like a quarter of the series. Mm. I mean, okay, so if a non-complete Trek nerd was to name Star Trek writers, she'd be one of the like two that people could name. So probably that and Holland and Ellison, probably. Oh, yes, I know, Harlan, of course. <laughs> so, yes, 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 of course. Thank you for the appropriate pause there to let it sink in for our audience that we all totally know who that was. Yes. City on the edge of forever. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, okay, opinions, guys. Like, we, we've just finished watching this. And bear in mind, like, obviously, everyone's more familiar with TNG and the, the later incarnations, and this is sort of the brand new pilot, the spin-off. Do you think this was a good pilot to be representative of the overall series we were to we watch so this was it's a little different because this they had already kind of committed to a season like mm. and this was not like we're trying to sell everyone on this that you want to buy our thing they it was just kind of the introduction to to everyone so it was a little bit different than than something that is specifically aimed at appealing to network execs i think mm. yeah i suppose we have to keep that in mind um yeah, because like, I'm thinking about how this sits in the grander structure of TNG, and almost nothing that gets brought up here is retained apart from the Q storyline, which I believe Auto or Idol, you were telling me, most of the writers were saying, this is a bad idea, this shouldn't yeah. be in the script. And then it proceeds to be the only th through line through the seven years from Farpoint to here is the Q storyline, because nothing else that gets introduced here is really followed up on. Like None, none of the post-atomic uh, post horror stuff really comes back in any way, shape, or form, apart from the iconography. It doesn't even make an appearance in First Contact. Um, Yar gets none of, like, her back... And there's no backstory for almost any character here, apart from Riker well, and Troy. Hmm. And that's very... Again, that's very different, because they have telepathic yeah. contact in Wesley. this episode, which they never really show off again. Wesley well, gets his, uh... Yeah, but even brought then... my dad's body home, <laughs> like, moment, didn't he? So... Yeah... Oh, I, yeah, this is a bit of a downer, really. It was a bit. I don't know if that's true. I think I think they, this episode does actually set up a lot of uh, thing character points that are carried on throughout the series. Like Wesley's precociousness is, is set up. Data's desire mm. to be more human is set yeah, up. The, the Riker Troy uh, romance is set up. Mm. Uh, Picard just uh, backhanding his security officer. Every uh, suggestion is set up multiple times. Quiet, you! <laughs> Do you want to shoot a hole through the view screen? You know, it's 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 all there. And Picard's characterization is pretty much where it ends up. Like everyone else is kind of finding their way. You know, Picard's yeah. Uh, Patrick Stewart's in a uh, you know Merchant Ivory BBC production at this point, and everyone else is in, <laughs> is in a TV movie of the week. Is in a movie of the week production. You know, Delancey's kind of a, he's 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 pretty much on point. Uh, yeah, he's with every minute of that. Everyone else is just yeah. So, All right, hold on. I I want to take an impromptu poll because I think Idol and I may have been uh, not agreeing with this before. So I disagree. Would Q would Q have worked? Keeping in mind what we just saw from the Q story in 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 this pilot, would Q have worked? Could Q have worked as well or better without Delancey? 
Uh, better, I don't know. I think it would have worked as... uh, I think it worked maybe a little bit worse or as fine with any other actor, because, like... Well, not any other actor. Yeah, not not any other, because... Okay, so we did have Trelane... You need a certain personality type. Bill Campbell, and you can't tell me that that wasn't a great... I think it was. It was good enough for Delancey to pull from that to create Q and expand on it. So I think if, if uh, there's got to be a handful of other guys out there, right? Q is in De- Delancey's Q. If they were to recast him, I wouldn't yeah. feel like anyone could bring the energy. A Q, anyone could play A Q. I mean, that's what essentially Trelane is oh, yeah. having that mannerisms of mischievousness. Like, but I think Delancey's Q is something timeless that he brings to that character that no one else really can. Well, you can't say could anyone else do Delancey's Q. I'm talking about the the Q that they write for the. Well, episode. let's hmm. let's look at the other Qs that they brought in. Like Quinn Q is pretty good. He's he's pretty great. Corbin Brunson is is kind of meh as Q. Well, he's only got two minutes to establish himself, so yeah. Hey, hey, you know Delancey only had <laughs> a couple minutes. Yeah, in the front You're not wrong. He comes in throwing heat. You know. Okay. Susie okay. Susie Plaxon's Q is pretty yeah. pretty good. Susie Plaxon's Q is okay. pretty good. I, I see where you're coming yeah. from here, Autos. Like if they had if John Delancey was not on the scene, they they played him on to play this role as in the pilot. What about what about if they'd cast Eddie Murphy? With that kind of same oh, energy. No, <laughs> no. No. I'm just trying to think of 80s what? actors that kind of could match even... that energy. How about how about well, no. Chris Farley as Q? With that <laughs> <laughs> Well no. Let me make a counterpoint, right? So the, uh, the the character archetype that Q fits in is of the trickster god, you know, the Loki or various other, like, you know, it, it turns up in every kind of mythology, right? Um, and in British science fiction, there is a very easy um, analogue to that, which is the Doctor from Doctor Who. Mm. And you can probably get any of the actors who have played the various different um, incarnations of the Doctor to bring some of that enigmatic, mysterious, okay. trickstery, like but still personable personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you can easily see Sylvester McCoy or even Paul McGann you know, later on, like Chris Ferguson, could bring the same intensity and personal interplay to this character. It's not... Like, John Nancy is an incredibly talented actor, but he mm. is not the only character who could have played a Q. Like, other people played yeah. a Q. And yeah, it's like, every, uh... the reason you... He, he's very iconic, but you, you could replicate at least some of the same aspects that came here. You'd probably get different personality traits come out as he came back throughout the series. And he might have had better... Um, uh, chemistry with different actors because you can see almost from the instant that they're in the same room with one another john delancey and patrick stewart basically just hone in on each other as as you say the two actors who really understand what they're here to do and are like understanding their roles and they just bounce right off each other and they, they, really they create do. a spark and if that had been a different actor maybe they would have gravitated more towards jonathan frakes which is what they tried in the next two appearance or maybe it would have been a weird thing where it's like look they have really good like um chemistry with denise crosby and we'll go with that angle but there's something about these two personality types and that chemistry that really does work and you can see why they decide to hone in on that especially from like you know the q appearances coming or going forward it's that personality type just lit a lot really well Moving, moving on slightly, can the start of the, the whole episode it sort of kicks off, and we have this whole almost twenty minute section of just kind of the a plot or this, you know, the Roddenberry right. Like it's very unusual if you're looking at say modern or even even TV, you know, even old Star Trek scripts from like the you know sixties and the films to have dedicated to one section without swapping to the B plot or building up the drama in other ways. But no, it is solid. 
Cue and Picard courtroom mm. scene for an intro to the pilot of your show without kind yeah. of trying to build up whatever you like. You're sitting there kind of going, well, "Hang on, there are other actors in this. Like, where's where's Riker? Where's where's Geordie? <laughs> Allegedly, like, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it's I think it's very weird to have that much dominance to one storyline very early on in the episode. I actually thought it was fine because for me it starts to drag more in the second half, but that mm. pacing a half an hour, half an hour pace in the beginning. Okay, we're going along with the storyline, but then bam, we go down to the planet and we get introduced to Riker and LaForge and Crusher, and then that picks it back up because you're getting like a whole set of fresh faces there. So it's almost I like think it's that was second because episode. they had to go yeah. two hours anyway. Yeah. So you, you got to do something to to break it up. It's not like they did a whole hour of courtroom and then an hour of the rest. They kind of did it in half hour chunks almost. Yeah, yeah. You, you need and, time and... to absorb the new characters and the ship designs and the sets and the uniforms. Mm. Like, so it's okay that you're lingering on this mm. A story because this is new. You you haven't seen yeah. this before. This is this. I, know, found it, I just found it a bit jarring when we sort of got locked into this courtroom drama, essentially, and this sort of existential sort of like superior being testing our morality. And then you, you all of a sudden, like, you get really locked into it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, we're in an episode of Star Trek. What are the other characters doing? Like, it's like having that amount of time to be focused on one thing to then suddenly kind of go, and now over to Farpoint Station, where here's Riker trying to not chat up Beverly Crusher. And failing. Part of it was, yeah, he struck out bad. Um,. <laughs> Even Wesley was like, this is awkward. She doesn't mean to come across as uh, as cold and unfeeling, but, you know, that's my mom. Um, Do you have to get so ar around, around men. Make sure that yeah, you include that men. one. Yeah. Well, rumors she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> strong feminine needs. Oh, we're back to the cave. Oh, there's usually there's, strong there's feminine the link drives. to episode one. Unusually yeah, strong yeah. feminine drives. Right. Yeah. Um, I think... Part of the reason this structure does, for the most part, work is that, from what I recall, they wanted to structure the series going forward as Picard would not go on away missions, and Riker would. They even put that in the trailer, that's mm. the structure they're going to go with. And so Picard would handle everything on the ship, you know, he would be you know, dealing with diplomacy and all that kind of stuff, and then Riker would be the action guy doing all that kind of stuff. And as an introduction to the characters in those roles, this does function well for that, because you get a lot of Picard dealing with an extra-dimensional being and you know, uh, dealing with diplomatic bullshit and legalese, which, guess what? He goes on to do a lot of that throughout the series. And then you cut to Riker doing the stuff on the planet, investigating, chatting up women and failing. You know, Again, you see a lot of that throughout the series. Um so while the structure is a bit jarring because you're so used to all right five minutes of a plot now it's the b plot da, 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 da. Mm. having it in these big chunks is a bit odd in terms of the pacing but it does work all right as a character introduction because you get an idea of what these characters roles are and you're not you know, you, you look at wharf and you look at geordie and you're like what are your roles here but Everyone else is fairly well-defined in what they do and what their personality is meant to be like at this point in the series. So you can go forward with that. Like, Worf and Geordi are very much kind of blank slates who are defined by, he's a Klingon, he's blind. And that's all you really get. You don't even get an official position for them. But that gets filled in later. Yeah, we don't even get to find out how bad with women Geordi is, which is pivotal <laughs> to his character moving forward. 
So what you're saying is we should, like, right before he comes up to Riker and he gets the Stonewall treatment, he should have been trying to chat about, like, a bandy native and just getting turned down because he's not, it's like, sorry, I can tell you're the holographic women, I'm not like that. So that whole, that whole uh, Klingon sex scene later where um, oh, yeah. Worf is like, this is sex, but I have no need for it in my life. Now, that originally went to LaForge and then they had to, like, switch it later to a different <laughs> character. <laughs> All right. um, oh, boy. Yeah, so speaking of characters, who would you say was your... I don't want to say fa- favourite character of the episode because we're sort of quite young and we're, we're very prejudiced to our favourite characters, but what would you say was your most mm. defining character of the episode? Who do you think got the best treatment here? Or who do you think got the most work? Alright, um... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be a basic bitch and I'm not going to take the easy answer because I know that someone, one of you is going to pick Picard because it's the easiest answer. Um, <laughs> guess what? He gets the best treatment in this. Um, I will actually say Crusher. Um, she has like a bit of a rough introduction in the mall sequence where it's like, oh, I'm going to ignore my commanding officer and all the weird mysteries around me, despite the fact that I'm a Starfleet officer and I should be interested in this shit. All I'm interested in is this fabric that I could replicate on my ship. It's got a gold um, on it now. I'm oh, going to make so many cushions. Um, <laughs> the, the scene that she has with Leslie... Um, uh, you're talking up, about Leslie. the bridge and getting filling in the backstory the interplay with Picard on the bridge and then the second scene in her office where she's establishing no I am not a I, I can absolutely separate my personal life from my professional life I requested this if you want to try and treat me differently I'm going to take offense at that because I am a professional woman who is going to take this in my direction and it has nothing to do with you with all due respect fuck off and I think that she acquits herself relatively well um because in the fact i don't you know it's like again very early days it's not a very well-defined character but i don't know i, I just like gates mcfadden as a performer quite a lot even though i think she's not quite to everyone's taste i just think she just has that charisma and her chemistry with um patrick stewart is kind of immediate like they immediately are just bouncing yeah. off each other it's again john delancey and patrick stewart, they just, the, the, the pairs start forming almost immediately of who works best together and who doesn't yeah she's doing a lot of great quiet nuanced mm. work in those scenes very true like mm. I, I would if we were ranking the actors in this episode she's in the top three for me with Stewart and Delancey but uh mm. you know I so I need to answer that question I, I think Patrick Stewart clearly <laughs> is you know <laughs> running away with this episode I mean he's, he gets every beauty shot uh as you're we watching yeah. Otto couldn't stop remarking on, on his <laughs> that bone structure <laughs> Yeah, he, well, he was he made looks, for the theater. Yeah, he looks great on camera. It just mm. the the, the, mm. the camera loves him. They're they're shooting, they're lighting the hell out of him. Uh, aside from one scene in the uh, future uh, courtroom, mm. when when the the cameraman must have been high <laughs> or, or over the lens. <laughs> oh yeah, like <laughs> left a smudge on the lens. He's 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 lit brilliantly the entire time. And what you just... don't realize is that, that the cameraman had had his soul stealing by Shang Tsung, who was standing in the court. That's and right. They didn't right. realize for a oh, few yes. minutes. <laughs> actor of Shang Tsung. Fam- in, in famed Kombat. Asian actor, uh, yeah. Kerry Tagawa from uh, Mortal Kombat fame. He's, he's in yeah. everything, and he's in that scene, so uh, mm. I, I love that. Yeah, he, he wasn't in for, in it for too long because he had to go and run along and film License to Kill like two minutes later, but you know. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, Stuart 
knows his character. I mean, he always talked about how he played all these generals and kings in Shakespeare plays, and so that's mm. that's why he fell into this role very early. Uh, but you can see it. He he knows what he's doing. He's he's doing like uh, he treats it more like naval. royalty this early on, doesn't he? He feels yeah. more like he is a king, yeah. like he is a Shakespearean king as opposed to. You know, the more sympathetic. He's a bit more yeah. imperious than he is yes. usually. Like he's yeah. a bit more yeah. shouty. Yeah, he's very well, ship's uh, captain, British ship's captain. Like now hear this. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum, oh, you're entitled to know. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so, yeah, no, that entitled to The way you worded this was best or most to do. So, given the most to do was very clearly Marina Sirtis because <laughs> she shouldn't have been given one tenth that much to do, but they did. So and that was a huge shots. it was a huge part of the big pull down and pacing in the second half they're wandering through hallways she's feeling things this is like a season four try to get her an emmy kind of writing because she was going <laughs> for it it was in you you can't do that in a pilot it's totally unearned we don't know anything about her or and you know she's crying left and right and the, it diminishes the character yeah the, the kicker is she's also behind the curve at every point like Mm. We're 90 minutes in, and she still hasn't figured out that she's feeling like alien entities on the ship that they're on. And then even Riker figures it out ahead. He's like, all right, prepare the energy beam for that other alien. And then three minutes later, she's like, what if there's two aliens? I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what do <are> you <laughs> Deanna, Hi. you know, stay with the program. So hated this. Like, yeah. she, she walked out of the yeah. premiere. Like, she hates well, her stars, share your Share your theory about this character well the writing is just so abominable for her like mm. where it like it, it largely succeeds for crusher in like establishing her as a strong personality in her own right even in her, her sphere as like you know commander of the medical officers it's like troy's role is incredibly ill-defined she is just the counselor um and what she does on the bridge is incredibly like you know like what is she doing on the battle bridge like actually tell me what she's doing is she monitoring the mental health like she should have stayed on the source of separation and you should have brought wolf with you no would that not make more sense but no they, again they decided to bring marina certis into a role and a scene that she has no real place in being and then just leave her high and dry playing a character that is she's like only two steps away from being like a TOS hysterical woman of the week. It's really not good. Why? It's the not, it's one not like, scene. Hmm. It's not like there's hundreds of families and children on this saucer section that might need a, <laughs> the a counselor. Help yeah. of a counselor. Well, it's not a traumatic time. They saucer sep every other week, so right. Yeah, saucer sep. Yeah, yeah. Like the one scene. Oh yeah, saucer sep. Um, the one scene where she gets anything to do and is actually important to the episode is when she cottons on to the fact that when the jellyfish alien steals um Groppler, the Mister Gropplist, um, she realizes, hey, great satisfaction, and that's the one breakthrough moment, like. I GM Star Trek Adventures, and so does um, Idol, and it's like it's like watching players trying to figure out a puzzle, and you keep on dropping things, and then someone goes, "What if I tried to read the intentions of the enemy?" And then it's the one time it's useful, um, <laughs> and it's like her acting is not amazing, but like you know, neither is Jonathan Frakes is really, and neither is like Brent Spiner's okay, 
there's a lot of creepy smiles going around in this pilot. Ooh, but I yeah. feel like it's mostly the writing that lets Marina set us down here, because this is just nothing to do. All right, Idol, who's your MVP or LVP in this I'm, I'm going to go for, mo I wouldn't say most defining. I, I, I want to kind of give it to Riker a little bit, because he comes a bit fish out of water, yeah. wants to kind of prove himself. And for the entire element, just seems a, well, he just seems out of his element a lot of the time. He wanders into the holodeck and just kind of go, whoa, what is this futuristic technology? It's almost as if like he's been written to be the layman, kind of having to be exp explained. But the problem is mm. he lives in the 24th century and has served as a first officer yeah. aboard many other starships. So like none of this should be new to No, him. no, you don't understand, <laughs> Idol. He came from Alaska. It's a backwards out there. They don't understand technology. Although he, is a <laughs> he transferred last it. week. <laughs> I thought your grandfather was Canadian, <laughs> sir. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, damn it, Lavelle. Well, I like Stars' theory based on the writing that that Troy was just pretending to have empathic powers. <laughs> the way it's written. So I, I, I agree with you, Shy. They did set up a lot of points that they follow through with hmm. at a time. But the one, the biggest disparate change was Riker is so desperate and needy for any kind of affirmation this episode and you know cut to a few years later he's like you couldn't pay me to leave the enterprise i don't want a captaincy i don't want admiralty <laughs> i just want to stay here and be second in command and so I'm that uh, that was a big they, deal they addressed that in that episode right he's like what happened to me yeah, yeah. i used to be full of drive and ambition right mm. Yeah. Yeah, you used to be a swat Riker. You used to be an asshole. Yeah. Like, you know what it is? Like, you know that moment when Q summons those two um, fantasy. I don't need your fantasy. Now, if it were season one Riker and he summoned a fantasy version of Picard patting him on the head and telling him he's a good boy, he would have, like, cried in a corner, like, oh, daddy noticed. Like, it's so weird, this characterization for Riker. Did anyone get a count of how many reaction shots we got from characters this episode? Because all of them. It did seem to uh, be. Every and they time were all happened, from. So many. They so were many. all from their waist pointed upwards. Yeah, too. It's every, every yeah. moment was just. Like, there must have been a solid 10 minutes of just reaction shots in that episode. Oh, more than that. Um, like, people give shit to Discovery for, oh, like, you know, Ensign, like, you know, reaction shot with Detner and, and uh, oh, Oshkin. They have not seen this pilot. This is so much yeah. worse. It's like, you're not even reacting to anything all that interesting. You're watching a, a saucer detach from the ship. Yes. You probably read the manual <laughs> on how to do this. You operate this ship! Why are you surprised? Can I go over? Yeah, and they, they took hours with the, these reaction shots. Well, to, to, yeah. every to be single fair... Has a point light on their eyes like yeah. when, so you see the little glisten of light in their eyes that they're looking at in wonder at whatever it is they're looking at yeah. so mm -hmm. as we said they do have they did have to stretch this like mm -hmm. they were handed yeah. 90 minutes of script they're like all right we need to add 30 minutes and that's kind of an easy way to do it even if it doesn't really get the desired effect clearly they should have just filled it in with 30 minutes of jean-luc picard and q having a mud wrestling fight like clearly that's what should have happened in that cult room can I can I bring up one of my favorite points? I can't remember who made it in the um, in our watch along. Which, if you want to watch our watch along, please go to uh, subscribe to our Twitch channel and go to our Discord. Anyway, um, one of my favorite things. Notice when they're doing, you know, man, Riker saying, "Riker, you go do the manual 
uh, manual unseparation, manual docking, docking. Manual, manual docking. docking yeah. Sorry, words fail me. Um, he said, unseparation. Going, caught, caught, you know, quarter quarter to the port. You know, hard hard left here, and like at the whole time, O'Brien sitting there, kind of just doing it without really, <laughs> because he's the real pilot there, isn't he? Like Riker saying yeah. all these instructions behind him, trying to impress Picard, and O'Brien's just sitting there, rolling his eyes, going, "Yeah." Which okay. that is a very realistic look into middle management, because the guy who knows what to do doesn't need. <laughs> He doesn't need his boss to tell him how to do it. He's just going to do it. So, Yeah. So the most important man in Starfleet history. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's him being wasted doing manual soap separations. Yeah, that British, one like, made yeah, one history they, amazing. They just, yeah, they just steal that moment from uh, Wrath of Khan, as I mentioned. That's, yeah, that's actually quite true. Like, making him do it on yeah. manual. There's a lot of like the fact that it's like you could have like, if you fucked that up doing it on manual. Does that not damage the ship? Does that not put children at, at risk? Like, why are you doing this to your first officer? You picked him. Mm. Okay, how about the Such overall the overall lesson? Like the 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 main point of the episode being you know there's a combination of humanity's trial to prove they are you know not a barbaric race of people and also the other side of it of a a sort of simple race taking over an alien creature and it secretly being you know an entire you know whilst it's a city having reunited with its long lost brethren yeah you know, how did we feel sort of like the overall concept of the episode yeah that's a good point how come q isn't torturing the bandy for being utter barbarian savages because they're the oh, ones enslaving the aliens yeah. like yeah, yeah, because... it's fine because the bandy have a ceiling, a low ceiling on their evolution. <laughs> the little human-centric thing is that no we are going to progress. That's true. So far that the Q are concerned yeah. with us. Yeah. Um, I think that as a moral lesson and a way to establish what Starfleet is meant to be like, as a peacekeeping armada and exploration force, this is a decent way of trying to accomplish that by making your very first mission do not fire on the obvious enemy. Go for diplomacy. Use science to communication, and you know protect the downtrodden. Don't elevate those who would inflict like harm for their own personal gain. These are all the core tenets of Starfleet, and they come across okay. It's just a bit odd that it's like in universe, it makes no sense. Like surely, like they are a little bit gun happy to like lock phases on the um, approaching jellyfish, which isn't a jellyfish. It's so weird. Well, it's a flying saucer initially, which is a weird thing you don't see in Trek very often. They usually steer clear of nice. that for intentional reasons. Um, but and it's like lock phases is like, what, oh, you're gonna like attack him? It's like that's a standard thing we do, and it's like, no, it's not. You don't lock phases on anyone that comes into range. Did that's a weird thing you're alert? doing. Was there a red or yellow no, no. at any point? I yeah, they shut off that damn noise. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Restart. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm breaking up here. Oh. Well, it was hilarious, so. <laughs> I think you're back here. You're back. Oh, no. We're losing shot. Oh, you're front. All right, so, but uh, I actually didn't really like that because it's like Q didn't even give them a chance to prove they're not a barbarian. Like, as soon as he said lock phasers, bam, there's Delancey going, oh, why are you locking phasers? You, you yeah. know, you're savages after all. It's like, hold on, bro. Let Just observe for a while. Let me do, let me be in command and do my thing, and then you can see if the outcome, if our actions prove anything. And it's like, he didn't really give him room to breathe sometimes. He was like, mm. it's the, you know, that yeah. meme where Picard's in the shuttlecraft and Delancey's right over his ear breathing <laughs> on him? There's a little bit of that in this episode. Yeah. 
It's a structural problem that gets fixed with later context, because, like, mm. in this first episode, you're like, why are you acting like this? This is a weird way. And then they retroactively justify it with, oh, he wanted them to succeed. He's yeah. always been steering the trial and giving them little hints and help there. But on its own, yeah, it makes no fucking sense, and it's really overbearing. Okay. Uh... Welcome back, Shy, by the hey, welcome way. Welcome back, Shy. <laughs> oh, am I back? You I, are I back. Yes, you are, you, you are back. You, you were sitting there looking pretty, which, you know, that's one of your skills, but we want your oratorical discussion mm -hmm. as well. Oh, thank you. What would you change? Like, if, if you were to go back and, and someone was to hand you the script and say, you're allowed to change one thing in this, or you're allowed to sort of change one oh, particular one thing. thing. I know, I love to jump these on you. Just like, one. Just, just, just yeah. one thing. Uh, what what would you change? What what was the one thing like? Give it to appreciate later context for Star Trek uh, Next Generation sort of episode. What All right, but I'm going third this time. I'm not I'm not answering first. <laughs> All right, time. Sal's go on. Troy, it's, it's oh, Troy. Right, Troy, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, Shai, Shai, yeah, Shai yeah, wants to go first. Just go. Go. I'm just while well, I have a moment of uh, broadband uh, clarity <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, definitely Troy. Like, give her more nuance, less less weepiness and uh, less you know emotion emoting even though she is the empath yeah. it, it's just constant um and it, like just a moment of lightness between her and Riker to show yeah. why they were in love <laughs> yeah sort of like gaze at each other uh angstily yeah in fact you know what I mean if they were I like, feel like yeah. I feel like Troy suffers from that problem of you know writing intelligent characters in a script is hard because it requires you to be intelligent and writing characters who are emotionally intelligent and able to, who should be able to psychologically profile a character, uh, another character and tell you about their intentions is hard without giving the game away. And so Troy is stuck in this moment of, well, I could tell you something really important, but the, the script dictates that I don't tell you that until Act 3 after you've already worked out because of the rest <laughs> of the plot structure. So they've hamstrung her that way. They And it required just a, a slightly more intelligently written script where she could give insight or at least fight fire back at Q during the courtroom and have like a bit more of a dominant personality there. Cause she's basically just sitting there and intends to yell when she gets frozen. Like she doesn't have any of her own counterpoint. She doesn't even bring up the fact that, Hey, I'm half betazoid. Why am I included in this? Are you going to accuse me of barbarism too? Like, can you give me an emotional reading on Q? No. Okay. Can you tell me if any of this is real? No, I can't tell you that either. Can you like, use your emotional like thing to, to insult you and call him a man child which he so obviously is like she doesn't get off any like you could knowing what marina certis is like in real life is like a bit of a firecracker and like having a real fireback personality like none of that comes through and you really should have played more into that strength than anything else sorry i, I kind of hijacked your point there shy because i agree <laughs> i kind of want a courtroom scene recut where you know, instead of Yar or instead of Troy, Worf is there. And Q is like, how do you answer to the charge of being a dangerous, savage child, right? Guilty. And for enslaving... Guilty! Guilty, 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 guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. I would love to see that dynamic. Q versus the Klingons. Like, that would be fun to see. Or he wouldn't even try. Just... He wouldn't even try. Yeah. No, see, here's the thing about Klingons is... it. it... They're very crafty, but I don't know if they have the intellectual depth that the whole humanity versus Q dynamic takes on later and then through Voyager and et cetera, et cetera. Well, 
give the Klingons another three... Give, the Klingons in, like, the Discovery Season 4 era, where it's at like the 32nd century, maybe then they progress to the point where they can go through a trial with the Q. Maybe that's why we haven't seen the Klingons in that century. They're too busy getting, like, annoyed by Q. Then <laughs> they don't want to deal with it. Be gone! Um, Be gone! Eat a good I, book lately. Um, you go ahead. I, I think I'd change the whole bandy stuff. Like we, I think we pointed out yeah. that how did the bandy uh, essentially who were living in mud huts of the like manage to capture a sentient being who can manifest energy at will and somehow keep it constrained to make them a, a lush star base? Like that kind of always seemed a bit. Flimsy. Yeah, no, that is no, weird, isn't it? Because you think point. about like the the geothermal energy. It's yeah. like how do you harness it? You're living in mud huts. Yeah, the power no, of the droplet. They're the evil Baku. <laughs> yeah. They're evil oh. the proto <laughs> They yeah. have the technological ability. They just choose to live in mud huts. Mm. Some very okay. destructible mud huts. It blew up and they choose nicely. not to use shampoo and conditioner or cut their split ends. <laughs> yeah, there's a range of hairstyles from Grupplazorn to yeah. Bandy shop salesman, and that was about it. Yeah. yeah some very so if I had to change. You go on. If I had to change one thing, I would probably change how data is presented here but it's like it's kind of like a symptom of the entire season creepy. one that data where he's quite creepy he is more like that the, the pinocchio um comparison is not just because he doesn't have the emotional death but also because he has that creepy puppet like face every now and then because spiner hasn't quite settled into what he wants to do like he looks really intense and brooding and more like lore in some respects um and again, having his input during the like, courtroom scene to do anything other than spite off legalese or like you know try and appeal to the appeal of humanity of you know a learning like race like I oh, humanity is learning like I am type thing like that dynamic would have been interesting to explore. We know that there's mileage in the Q data relationship because we see it in like season three and they ha they bounce off each other relatively well there. But instead, it's it's all Picard. It's all Picard. No other character is given any room to do anything in that courtroom scene, really. Hmm. Would have been a nice way to develop them because we're in the fact that it's probably the strongest writing of the episode, really, in that, those scenes. Hmm. It's also the most not subtly racist writing of, of the whole show, too. So well, you know, if, if we're gonna couch this or set it up with uh, 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 phase two or whatever and bring it in Roddenberry's ideas, it's like that's one of the things that, and you know, it's not like the pilot is the only piece affected by that because then we go into Luton and Code of Honor, and it's like that's gonna be fun. It took it took them a while to realize you know maybe we shouldn't pull this shit in the future. Maybe we should just. Anyways, that, that that's for another yeah. show. That is, if I could change one yeah. thing, this this is more like an overarching season one and beyond thing, but mm. Worf and Tasha are so redundant, and it's mm. it's even more emphasized by the fact that they were always like standing next to each other in every situation. Yeah. So with all the and I'm not saying get rid of. Look. Yeah. Wolf is the diversity hire, okay? He just has to stand there and look good for the promotional pictures that the Federation sends out. <laughs> I'm not saying get rid of Deanna, Troy, or Marina Sirtis, but I feel like it would be interesting if uh, Tasha became that, because she has so much trauma and messed up mm. crap in her own background that moving her to sort of in that direction where she, as she counsels others, she counsels herself and grow into that. That could also be something that you could do and then let Worf mm. blossom into his own. So 
there's there's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of redundancy there, and I think uh, it would be too much. I think a bridge too far to turn Worf into a counselor or steer him even away from the from the leaping over the bridge. Illness. Do not let it defeat you. You know, jumping over the bridge and thrusting his phaser and everything. But uh, they could have done maybe that with Yar instead. Well, what they could have done was maybe what they were trying to do with Riker and Picard, where like you know, a, a delineation of duties, where one is in charge of the ship and one's in charge of away teams. Maybe have like Yar be the shipboard weapons officer, and he's more of like the away team specialist, so he's always in charge of that kind of thing. And then maybe have them butt heads like Reed and Hayeswood and Enterprise, and have like a conflict over authority, and then they can come to together. It's like you could have written a more interesting dynamic than, as you say, just kind of doing the same thing but from slightly different angles i think this comes from you know they wanted to fill out the time with things like saucer separations and reaction shots when they could have filled out the time with yeah a little bit more character development and things like that yeah. a few little extra lines here and there just to fill out pad, you know pad it out with something productive i mean not that we didn't like the gratuitous um you know <laughs> tng theme song playing whilst the, everything sort of broke apart but yeah so actually that because we shouted out that scene with crush and picard as being one of the better ones for her own development it's like you could oh, yeah. not only could you do those but you could also do them while saving probably a whole lot of budget by not doing all the model shots and the effect shots and stuff it's like put two put put two good actors in a room together and let them fill seven minutes and it's like there you go script writers yeah. were very like you know, they, they had to be they people had to stick to the script and if they deviated no no, yeah. no there had to be a phone call up to the sort of head office people had to well down. right but I'm, very, I'm saying you know no write that instead oh, of yeah, writing yeah, yeah, the yeah no oh, i agree yeah. but yeah that... so yeah that's one of the weird things about this and it has a like two thematic links to the cage like first off you have the scene on the bridge where they're like staring at basically nothing happening while the theme plays to fill time, which is like, you know, that's a funny little production thing. But also, oddly enough, they both have scenes where the captain has to talk about the first officer about an intensely personal death and its effect on their command style. And again, they're both one of the better scenes of that pilot because you've got the one with Boyce and Pike versus Crusher and Picard. They're both very different, but again, that captain medical officer relationship is always i feel strong mm. in a star trek series and they kind of start that off right here although it doesn't get as much play as i would have liked in tng proper parallel number three marina sirtis and susan oliver reaching the same oh, heights yes. of brilliance i think you're not wrong i think you're marina Sirtis would agree with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> so one thought i had uh in between viewing and recording this was so just last week then we did the cage and we're doing this. We'll mm. probably do one or two more pilots. But to me, this felt a lot more 80s than the Cage did 60s. Like, mm. of course, sets and stuff are dated, but they they try to make you feel like, okay, now you're in the future. And this uh, certain aspects of it didn't age quite as well. And it felt like, okay, this is a little bit, yeah. little bit 80s, a little bit early 90s type. Oh, no. I mean, I, I've always felt like the L-Cars design, like the Akuta's design work on TNG was kind of timeless that it's aged yeah. really well. Um, yeah, some of the, and especially the thing I noticed watching this with the remaster, every time I watch the remaster, I, I love how it lacks a sort of pinkish hue that all the original airings, mm. everything looked kind of pink and shrimp bisque in the original <laughs> airing. Um, and they've removed that, which is, is, so it looks even better than I remember, like everything really pops. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say it 
it looked as 80s as Cage. Well, no, I, I, I'm not talking about the Elkars. I, I'm just the whole feel from some of the dialogue mm. to some of the the yeah, shots they do. Yeah, stylistically. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. But like, like from Charlie... a television production, but I can see where it's pointing. Yeah. But I could be totally wrong about that, and that's where the crackling interplay comes in. But like, like Shai was saying earlier, like there, there was nothing else kind of like this on telly at the time. This is why it was like a huge budget thing, why it was pushed forwards, because you didn't have a flagship science fiction show like this on television in like the mid to late 80s. Are you casting aspersions on the original Battlestar Galactica? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Battlestar that was like, Yeah, yeah. that was like six, seven years prior, yeah. as, as well mm. as like uh, Buck Rogers was also like, Mm. almost seven years before so i mean there's a reason you know, the 90s right, are regarded wasn't yeah the reason the 90s are regarded as like a a golden era for science fiction television is because star trek's next generation kicked it all back off again you know it gave some yeah, rise people true. go look at things like oh we can do a stargate series oh we can do cleopatra twenty five twenty five. we can do lex <laughs> we can do, we can do babylon 5 we can do, we can do yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I love you know. that you've listed Cleopatra twenty five twenty five as as a sign of the golden age of science fiction <laughs> The things you remember in retrospect, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and I watched a lot of Lex when I was younger too. Okay, Stars, you need to give us your applicable rating, please. Okay, gentlemen, how many um, curiously hard? gender binary color coded jellyfish aliens out of 10 would you give this episode oh wow one's pink and one's blue i guess which one's the, the male and the female all right I'll, I'll dive in i give this four jellyfishes out of 10. this Ooh. is not really my cup of tea and like i said just the way it ages if you look back on it present day it's like this I wouldn't really necessarily want to show this Star Trek to my kids, or maybe not the next one or two episodes. But then after mm. that, you know, then then I'll I'll be happy to dive in. But it's like th this was not a great kickstart for things, and they did lay the foundation, but they're lucky Rough. it went the way it did instead of the uh, way it could have gone. Mm. Yeah, I I'm gonna have to go with five curiously hard gender coded jellyfishes out of ten because. Um, yeah, there's, it's just a little bit too awkward. There's a little bit too, I feel like the script needed a few more revisions. They need a bit more time, which yeah, they, they were rushed. They, they, you know, it's not all their fault, but also knowing what we know about the production, it was also just a case of these are sixties television writers who are used to that style of thing in the eighties now coming back and rehashing some of their greatest hits in some respect. And that has not aged as well as it could have. They needed to get some new blood, which they did around about season three with you know, the addition of Michael Pillar and stuff like that. Um, but I, I feel like my, my, uh, my sort of following from that point is while this may not be a great pilot, I think season one does have some great pilot episode material in it. And I'm thinking specifically of the Binar episode. If you showed that as the beginning as, as the pilot episode of TNG, that'd be a way better pilot. And I'm not sure if that how long that ago was in you know, in terms of production, which one had been made first and how far away from each other. But like the binary episode with like a genuinely alien presence, way more emphasis on the holodeck, which is way more 24th century and easier to sell as the future. You know, using the starbase, the cool interplay between Picard and Riker. That's a way better introduction to the series, I feel like. And what because when I was showing this to my friends like Katie and my boyfriend Barry, I was like. 
I don't know how easy is it going to be to start on Farpoint to sell them on Star Trek as a franchise. It's hard because you start here, then you go to the Naked Now, and then you go to Code of Honor. It's, like, it's such a rough start to the series. Yeah. And it's like, I, I you know, the, the trailer, as you say, good for selling to network executives. I don't know how, especially to a modern audience, this is a hard sell. You'd have to have a very open and open-minded audience to really sell them with this otherwise you have to go to another episode and then come back to this and be like listen give it time shy oh this is a this is an eight whoa kids why because it's the year is 1987 <laughs> and america has launched the last of its sci-fi franchises mm. and it worked it worked everything's in here you got a massive mm. ship redesign like they didn't just depart from the constitution class they, they went all the mm. way in another direction they went organic and smooth and this wide uh, like this thick oblong at this one <laughs> this thick exactly <laughs> you know picard's an entirely different captain but he 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 is like you know batting a thousand right up right off the bat delancey is an improbable antagonist for this episode but somehow it mm. works um yeah the, the rest of the cast is still finding their their footing but it, it frankly doesn't matter because this show is about picard and the enterprise and their adventures mm. through space and those two things come off fabulously uh and it just happened that the rest of the cast ended up gelling beautifully uh mm. for the rest of the season and you know it's an eight because it works it worked. We, you know, mm. they got they had seven seasons. You know, the proof is in the pudding, as it were. So there was a deleted. There was a deleted scene for? where tentacles come out of the wall and grab Troy and Riker. I'm not making this up. So whatever our scores are, they would have been three points lower had that scene been included. <laughs> I, I think that's in I the, know. the it, porn it, version, isn't it? <laughs> Porn parody version of the sixth generation, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? I would have given it three points extra if that scene had been in there. If it had looked <laughs> shitty enough. If it had looked really bad and you could tell the freaks was like manipulating it with his own hands, but then I would have given it more points for looking worse. And if he had shot <laughs> if he shouted, Data, it's got me. <laughs> Data, something's got me. Uh, Idle. How uh, many curiously gender coded jellyfish out of ten? I think I'm going to go for a six. I'm kind of going to half of, like, mm. I get the criticisms. I think this is definitely, uh, like, like Shah, you say, your credit for it launching the franchise in the, the grand way that it did, but I think it failed upwards in that regard, that it, it kind of, like, hit the ground running and then it couldn't stop. So uh, I think what it tried to do with the Q stuff, with, like, the grand morality play and um, the overall story that DC Fontana wrote with the alien creature were great. I think it failed on a lot of character interactions with a lot of introductions yeah. and just general poor editing in terms of, of an episode as a whole. So I, I'll go for, I'll split it different and say probably a six for me. I enjoyed it, which is, you know, not something I can say for every episode. I, I didn't feel at any point in the episode that I was bored or that I thought, or oh, this is particularly hokey because there were some pretty hokey moments, but... Um, it, it was entertaining, so I'll go for a, a six on... on Idle your bias, because there was a ship porn moment. There's lots of ship porn. The D isn't my yeah, favourite ship, but ship it, does, it did look really good in this, on the remaster that we watched anyway, which is, yeah, it was this fantastic. Is, mm. They, uh, like, it was strong enough for me to set my VCR every week. And it was strong <laughs> enough to, ca uh. to carry me through 
naked now and coat of honor <laughs> to like keep watching it like well, right. to be fair yeah. any of us who didn't watch it live each episode our votes don't actually count so we average out to what a seven <laughs> out of ten on the score so oh boy <laughs> yeah no guess what i was like i was born just when this series was finishing think about oh that does that make you feel old wow. yeah it wow. does have the best season. it does have the best series finale of it does, of any show does. ever Pretty much. Pretty much. I, I yeah. think if, I, I think it's hard to think of anyone that's ended better. Yeah. Okay. From inauspicious beginnings. So join us next week for our four-part Code of Honor series as we cover <laughs> one of the greatest episodes in Star Trek history. Uh, Let's point out they call back to this to this episode in the finale, which is one of the we just all acknowledge yeah, is the greatest yeah. finale. And not TV in a menagerie. Yeah. It's not just yeah. watching it on a view screen. We re- you relive Encounter at Farpoint. We did have a mini menagerie moment oh, we did, uh, <laughs> when we're on the battle bridge and Riker's <laughs> watching. How did they film that? Was there like an ensign with a, a handy cam following them around? <laughs> like, how do you how do you get those shots? That's what Data was doing. That's all in Data's POV. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> all right. We won't be doing Code of Honor just yet. It, I think it will come fairly sooner if our subs have got anything to do with it. Uh, we're going to move on next time to the emissary, the pilot of Deep Space Nine as we mm. continue. Oh, you coverage. mean the best pilot? The ooh, that's interesting take. Oh, <laughs> emissary is amazing. Sorry, it's great. Uh, it's a great uh, first ten minutes. Strange New Worlds has the best pilot. Hold your thought. Hold your hold your phones. And we're going to do. Mm. I, th- I think general consensus is we're going to do all the pilots of the the shows that are not airing currently i think we'll save uh so we'll go up to enterprise uh, and finish the pilots there before i was not included in this decision making yeah, at yeah, all yeah. So. and then <laughs> we'll move on to the new trek well and you're think, like yeah i don't want to watch it you're like oh i want to watch discovery i thought also you said we were not going to do currently running maybe that will change we will have a discussion about this <laughs> on that note um don't let them see mom and dad fight on it exactly please. um oh, no. if you want to see our watch along uh subscribe to our twitch channel uh you can subscribe there you can also join in the discussion on our discord for a special sub channel which is where we'll be putting the votes after we finished all the pilots to decide mm. what we're going to watch next so keep an eye on that when we're finished here all the money goes to charity folks so don't worry about that yes we 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 have a policy to always put everything to charity unless i get particularly broke in which case it's mine um (laughs) i'm an unemployed actor what (laughs) i am the charity charity these days and if you want to support an unemployed actor today he is shy he lives sad waiting for a casting call <laughs> yes, any so any, any employment agent. <laughs> yeah. He's going to have like four blankets on his shoulders next time we record. <laughs> on that note, he's going to be uh, heating yeah. up a rock with a phaser <laughs> to keep warm. That's right. <laughs> Every week comes like a product. I stop. <laughs> right on that. There's note, no outro. We will see you uh, next time. Tara. <laughs> awesome. I didn't even know the battery in this thing still works. <laughs> wow. <laughs>